Morning Journey, welcome. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us on Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week. We have some wonderful worship opportunities planned for you this week. Hope you're going to be with us all week and then next Sunday, certainly, as we celebrate Easter. Hey, I want to mention one thing. Uh, if, if you're on Facebook, we posted it there. If you're in version, there's a link. We have a Connect card. We'd love to know that you are worshiping with us. If you have a prayer request or need anything, there's a place on that Connect card uh, that you can let us know those details. Uh, but let us know you're worshiping with us. Uh, give us as much information about yourself as you're comfortable giving, but we would love to get to know you a little bit better, even if you're a long-time journey person. You've been with us for a long time. You know that we do this in our worship service every Sunday. So fill out the Connect card for us online this morning. Uh, As a guy, as a boy, one thing that I know about boys is boys love destruction. Uh, If you are the parent of a boy, then you agree that if you are married to a boy, then you agree with that. We like to see things crash and blow up. We like explosions. We like fire. We like to set things on fire. I don't know what it is about us. I I don't have enough of a psychology degree to know what it is in our brain that loves to see things explode, but we like it. As a matter of fact, boys and men... We'll build things just so we can knock it down. Whether it's uh, Legos or, or blocks or a pile of leaves or a sand castle. Uh, be honest, parents. You have never built an entire sand castle with a little boy. Because by the time you get about halfway done with it, they're going to kick it down or jump on it or stomp on it. It's what we do. We like to see things destroyed. If you give a little boy two brand new toy cars, in 4.3 seconds, those little boys will be crashing the new cars together because we like to see things destroyed. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. The next time there is an implosion, there's a building that's getting knocked down, but if we're able to gather together again in large crowds by that point, Notice who's in the crowd. It's all guys, pretty much, right? Fathers who have taken their sons to see this big explosion. Because for guys, nothing is better than a big explosion. Now, if you know me, if you go to our church, if you know me, you also know that some of us are good at destroying things without even trying. That's kind of how I am. Maybe you're that way. We are destroyer, first of our name, destroying things that probably shouldn't be destroyed. That's, that's who some of us are. But guys really like destruction. But there is a difference between seeing something else collapse, something outside of myself, stuff, seeing things blow up and, 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 and collapse and implode. There's a difference between seeing stuff collapse and watching life collapse. Right? When the collapse gets too close to us, it's just not any fun anymore. It's not exciting anymore. Nobody takes pleasure in the collapse of a relationship or, or the collapse of a marriage. Nobody takes pleasure in that. No, nobody thinks that's a great thing. We, this time that we're living in, it feels a lot like a collapse. In some ways it is. All of the normalcy, all of those things that we've taken for granted 
maybe that we've leaned on, we've trusted in, we assumed it would always be this way. All of those things are, are kind of getting knocked out from under us. We're experiencing some real destruction. And there is nothing that's fun about it, right? There, there's nothing that's amusing about what is happening. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel went through a time of complete collapse. God's people walked through a season of complete collapse. Everything was destroyed. Their homes were destroyed. Their, their cities were destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Everything fell apart. We're building up this week to the very end of the Old Testament. I put a chart in version. if you're in version, Hopefully it's readable. I don't love everything about it, but it's a pretty good chronological chart. We are in the period of the exile. Right, here's what happened. After Saul and David and Solomon were kings, you remember the nation divided northern and southern, and then there were about 20 more kings in each kingdom, and the people got farther from God and farther from God and disobeyed God more and more and more until ultimately the Babylonians came in and they destroyed the cities of God's people and they carried God's people away into exile, uh, into a, a totally new country, a totally new culture. Everything that they knew was gone. All of the familiar was taken away. And it wasn't a short period. It was 70, 75 years that, that they lived in the exile. Here's the thing, and you know this to be true. I, I don't think I'm telling you anything new when I say this. What we find in this part of the Bible, we find again and again that God is in the hard times just as he's in the good times. God's in the hard times. God's in the difficult times. God's in the times that we struggle in the same way, to the same degree that he's in the times when everything's going great. When everything's the way we like it, when everything is perfect in our mind, when everything's going according to plan, just as much as God is there, He's in the moments of our lives when everything falls apart, when everything collapses, when the walls are knocked down and the foundation is shaken. He's the same God, the same God. Now, something happens to us, though, when we go through periods of struggle, when we go through periods of difficulty or collapse, we are often open to listening, learning, and growing during times of struggle in ways that we aren't open to listening, learning, and growing when everything is fine. Often, we are sensitive to what God may be saying to us, what God may be teaching us during times of challenge, during times of collapse, during times of destruction, in ways that we weren't as sensitive when everything was going fine. God's always been present. God's always been willing to teach. God's always been speaking. It's just that you and I aren't good listeners sometimes when everything is perfect, when everything is fine. But when the walls fall down, 
very often our attention gets turned to God. The context of that collapse causes us to turn more to God, to ask more questions, to seek Him, to try to figure out what's going on. It's like water from a faucet. Water can be flowing, water can be pouring all of the time, but unless the bucket of my life is moved under the flow of that water, then I don't get filled. Like, I'm still empty. I don't get what I need unless I bring my life, I bring my bucket up under the faucet of God's will and God's speaking and God's, the, my alignment with who God is. When things are good, maybe you're like me, I, I can sometimes just try to find fulfillment in a lot of different places. I can try to find answers in a lot of different places other than God. I can trust my own thinking too much. I can trust my own planning too much. There's something about difficult times, though, that kind of nudge us more and more towards the flow of what God's trying to do. And, and, And that's one of my prayers for this season that we're in. That with all of the things that you and I don't like and don't want about this season, that God is using this time to nudge us under what He's saying, where He's directing, what He's trying to do in our life. Now, this is the kind of season that God's people find themselves in in around the 6th century B.C., right towards the end of the Old Testament. They find themselves in a season where they haven't been listening to God. They haven't been obeying God. It, It had become generational, this disobedience, this lack of listening. Prophets had shown up and warned them and tried to bring them back to God. But ultimately, their whole life fell apart. And part of the benefit of that was that they were able to hear God speak again. Here are a couple of things that we learn from this season in the life of God's people. In difficult times, we should focus on what God can accomplish in us and through us instead of focusing on our limitations. In difficult times, when things fall down, We need to focus on what God wants to do in us, not all of the things that we're prevented from doing. In in times like the one God's people experienced at the end of the Old Testament, and, and in times like the ones you and I are experiencing, it's tempting to get focused on all the things we can't do right now, all of the limitations, to think about all of the things we want to do, we used to be able to do, how life used to be, instead of focusing our attention on the fact that God wants to use this time to produce things in us and through us. God wants to teach us. God wants to grow us even in times of collapse, even in times and especially in times of collapse. Jeremiah was one of the prophets that spoke to God's people as this exile was happening. Here are part of God's instructions through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29. God says, build houses and settle down while you're in exile, while everything is falling apart, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not 
decrease. Increase in number there. Where is there? There is where everything's fallen apart. Where everything is crumbled. Where everything is cast. God says it is possible for us to increase in the times of our suffering. It is possible for us to grow, for us to multiply, for our spiritual lives, for our personal lives to increase in the midst of collapse, in the midst of struggles and difficulties. God tells his people, you're to increase, not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Here's here's just a loose translation of that whole paragraph. You can't stop living when you're in the middle of the struggle. You can't stop living. You can't stop moving forward. You can't just settle down and pull the covers over your head. You can't press pause on your life. You have to keep living even though the life you're now living is not what you expected. It's not what you anticipated. It's not what you planned for. It's not what you were getting ready for. That's the way that God's people are in in Jeremiah, in in the time of the exodus. This is not what they counted on. This is not what they were expecting. And God's message to them is, even though your plans have fallen apart, It is possible for you to increase. It is possible for you to grow. It is possible for things to happen in your heart that haven't happened before, even though the walls are down and the foundations are shaken and the future is unknown. God is at work. So keep living. Keep growing. Keep pursuing the things of God. God is not pressing pause in the middle of this struggle. God is not waiting for everything to get back to normal in order to accomplish His purposes and accomplish His will. God is at work. God is doing things. We might as well get in on it because God is at work even during this time. Now in the next verse after the one we read, God warns the people that there are prophets, false prophets who are telling them This isn't going to last very long. We're going to all be back in Jerusalem before you know it. Don't unpack. Don't worry. This is temporary. We're all about to go back to normal. And God's word to his people in the Old Testament was, don't believe them. They're lying. This is going to last a while. You're going to be here a while. You're going to be in the chaos for a little while. You're going to be in the catastrophe for a little while. So if your heart is waiting until everything gets back to normal, you're going to be waiting a long time. You're going to miss out on what God is trying to do right now in the middle of everything that's happening. I think that's so true for us. We don't know how long this is going to last. But I believe God's at work in the middle of this. I believe God's giving increase. I believe God is accomplishing things in us individually, in his people around the globe. Don't press pause. Shortly after this section, there's a, there's a familiar verse. Some of us know it, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. right? God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Like, we love that birth. That's a great 
verse. We have that verse framed in our home. What we often don't realize is just before that verse, God has said, look, the difficulties are going to last a little while. Yeah, I've got a future for you. I'm working stuff out. I'm at work. I've, I've got hope for you. But you're going to be in the midst of the rubble for a while. So, so don't wait for everything to be perfect. Just keep growing. Just keep seeking me. Just ask God, what can I do where I'm living in the circumstances that surround me? Listen, we like to frame Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I've never been in a home where there was a frame that said, you're going to suffer for a long time, right? You're going to be in the chaos for a little while longer. But that's, that's, that was a part of God's process. That was a part of God bringing them hope and future was that they would endure, they would honor God in the midst of the difficulties. And, and, and I'm hoping this difficulty is going to pass quickly. I'm hoping it's going to be over soon. I, I'm like you. I'm frustrated by the fact that it started with two weeks and then we added two more weeks. And then we added a month, right? And then... It started as social distancing and then became shelter at home. And then we were talking about being back for Easter and suddenly now we're talking about April. And look, that's frustrating to me too. The fact that it just kind of seems to stretch on and on. But we have this example of God speaking to His people almost as if to say, would you stop worrying about the timeline and worry about what God wants to do in you in the middle of this? Would you stop setting your heart on when things get back to normal? Stop putting your heart on, well, it's going to get fixed one day. And and let's put our hearts, let's bring our buckets around the idea that, God, you want to pour something out on us right now. You want to teach us something right now. You want to use us right now. God has not pressed pause during this. Churches all over the world are going to sit empty next week on Easter. That's hard to believe. None of us could have imagined that. Churches are going to sit empty next Sunday on Easter. But you know what we're finding? You know what churches all over the globe are finding? That people are tuning in online who haven't been to our churches in a long, long time. Maybe never been to our churches. People are showing up for worship. Some of them are showing up for Two services at two different churches, or five services at five different churches. They're just skipping around to service. Listen, God is at work through this. We don't know all that He's doing, but He is accomplishing His purposes. This is not a pause on the calendar of God, and it doesn't have to be a pause on our calendar either. Another thing I learned about this season in the life of uh, the, the nation of Israel, God's people, the brightest lights shine in the greatest darkness, the brightest lights. The the greatest stories of heroism happen in the middle of chaos. When everything's falling apart, people begin to rise up. People begin to be used by God. People begin to speak truth and honor God and lead the way. We've become familiar with, and people post it often. I think it's a great thing. Uh, Mr. Rogers 
following 9-11 did a special broadcast. And, and one of the things that stuck with all of us from that broadcast was when he said that his mother would always tell him when there was a tragedy to look for the helpers, right? You, you, you've all heard that. Look for the helpers. And we're doing that right now. We're, we're looking for, we're, we're cheering on the people on the front line, doctors and nurses and pharmacists and, and um, hospital staff, uh, grocery store staff, essential work. We're, we're cheering those people on. We're looking for the helpers. When you read about this time in the, in, in the life of God's people, you find God raising up the helpers. You find God raising up the heroes. Some of the most well-known stories happened during the darkness of this time. You may remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And whether you attend church a lot or not, you, you probably heard about it as a kid. You may know a little bit at least about the story of Daniel in the lion's den. It happens during this period. Uh, Daniel's in the lion's den in Babylon. It, like, he's been carried away. He's, he's part of that group. Everything they know has collapsed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not, not quite as well known, but that story, same thing, happens during this period of darkness. The story of Queen Esther, if you know that story, that story happens during this period in the life of the nation. We're familiar with the phrase, uh, for such a time as this. Maybe you've heard that used either in a religious context or even a non-religious context. Sometimes it gets used. Maybe you've come to this position for such a time as this comes out of the story of Esther. Like somebody needed to step up and, and as she was being encouraged, Mordecai said to her, who knows, you're in this position at this time, at this difficult time for this very purpose. God has a way of raising up courageous leaders and courageous people and servants to be lights in the darkest times. And maybe, maybe that's what God's going to call you to do. Maybe as you're praying, maybe as you're drawing closer to Him, He's going to show you how to tell a great story in these days. I, I almost... I almost made a snarky post uh, yesterday. I know that's out of character for me. And um, I, I'm not saying I won't do it later on this afternoon. But I almost made a snarky post yesterday around the idea of 2020 vision. Do you remember a couple of months ago? Like we were all talking about our 2020 vision at the end of, of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. And really even before that, if... If you're in an organization, uh, a business, or, or a church, really for the last decade, there have been people talking about their 2020 vision. By 2020, we want to have accomplished this. In the year 2020, we want to do this. We want to have a 2020 vision. And it was great. It's just nobody knew 2020 was going to be a disaster, right? Like, nobody saw that this was not in anybody's 2020 vision, which is why maybe God doesn't need our 2020 vision. God needs Daniels and Esthers and faithful people who'll stop looking at the collapse of everything and ask God, how do you want to use me? How do you want to grow me? How, how, how can I be used for the kingdom of God in this season? Not when it's all over. Not when life gets back to normal. Not when everything comes back. Right now, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? 
Here's another thing that I, that I learned about this part of Israel's history. And that is that God is always rebuilding after the storm. Always. God, God's always rebuilding after the storm. We're not free of collapse. We're not free of disaster sometimes. But what we know all throughout the Bible, what we see is God's a rebuilder. He looks at the rubble and thinks, I'm going to rebuild something there. I'm going to make that stronger. I'm going to step into that. God's a rebuilder. And He's going to rebuild our lives, our future, just like He rebuilt the nation of Israel. Here's, here's what I know, and it, and it can be difficult to remember when you're in the rubble of a broken family or a broken career or broken future. It's not the way you expected it to be. There are times that you look around and wonder if it will always be a big pile of rubble. If you had gone back to Jerusalem with the exiles and you had seen the wall and their homes and you had seen the temple you probably would have done the same things they did. Because even after they started rebuilding, there were times they walked around their city and thought, this will never be rebuilt. We'll never be out of the dust and the debris. We'll never be out of the rubble that we see in front of us. Their their hearts were heavy because they felt like they were always going to live in the rubble. But you know what happened day by day, week by week? Brick by brick, log by log, effort by effort, prayer by prayer, God was reshaping and rebuilding. Whatever collapses in your life, God's the rebuilder. Whatever walls fall down, whether it's now or five years ago or five years from now or ten years from now, whenever there's collapse in our life... A truth that we can hold on to is God is the rebuilder. He's the creative, beautiful rebuilder of all things that are broken. And just like He rebuilt Jerusalem, He rebuilt the temple, He rebuilt the wall, He's going to rebuild us. He's going to rebuild the walls around our life, the foundations of our life. In biblical history, once the exiles get back to Jerusalem and, and start the rebuilding process, it's, it's about a hundred years before God goes silent. It's an interesting turn in the Old Testament. About a hundred years after the exiles come back, after, after their 70, 75 years in a different land... God goes radio silent. He doesn't speak. It's during this 400 years that that Rome rises to power. We have Julius Caesar. We have Mark Antony. The Maccabeans and the Maccabean revolt. All of that history takes place in those 400 years. But God doesn't speak during that time. God doesn't inspire anyone to write anything or to speak 
anything. If, if you've wondered why we don't have books in the Bible from that period, it's, it's really simple. God didn't say anything. And if God didn't say anything, we didn't need to write anything down. There's wonderful books that tell us about the history of that period. They can be beneficial, but there's not inspired words from God because for 400 years after God's people got back from exile, God didn't say anything. And it would have been easy to believe that God had abandoned them, that God had walked away. But you know, you know what I'm about to say. I'm just going to say it because we need to keep hearing it. The silence of God does not mean the absence of God. The silence of God doesn't mean the absence of God. Doesn't mean He's lost track of us. Doesn't mean He's left the building. The silence of God doesn't mean the absence of God. In fact, those 400 years of silence were just the setup for God's greatest revelation in Jesus. Those 400 years of silence, that was the period that God was finalizing the setup for bringing His Son into the world to be our Savior. The one we celebrated Christmas, the one we celebrated Easter, the one hopefully we celebrate every day of our lives. 400 years, God wasn't speaking, but He was putting history in the right place so that His Son would come. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 4. But when the set time had fully come, when everything was ready, When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. God wasn't on vacation just because He was silent. God was getting the world to the set time. He had sent leaders. He had sent the law. He had given pictures and tabernacles and temples. He had talked about sacrifices. He had sent prophets to foretell of the coming of a Messiah. He had sent kings to symbolize the rule that he would have. And after 400 years of silence, the silence was broken by the cry of a child. A perfect child. A sinless child. The child that would become our sacrifice. The child that would give us peace. If you've read through Numbers, God gives Aaron, the priest, God gives Aaron a a blessing that that he was to pray over the people continually. And it it was a blessing that that asked God to, to bless his people, to keep his people. A blessing that asked God to shine his face on his people. And then right at the end, Aaron prays this blessing time after time. And God, give us peace. God, give us peace. God, give us peace. After 400 years of silence, after collapse and catastrophe and rubble, the Prince of Peace, the one who embodies peace and would be able to give peace to us, peace in our hearts, peace in us, but peace with our heavenly Father, the Prince of Peace, was going to come. But He was going to come on the other side of silence. 
Here's what I see in the scriptures. Here's what I've seen often in my own life. God does amazing things on the other side of silence. Amazing things. Miraculous things. If you're wondering where he is right now, if you feel like he's not listening, if you, if you don't feel close to him, if God feels silent to you right now, keep walking, keep praying, keep being faithful, keep bringing your bucket to God. Saying, God, I, I want to hear from you. I want to be filled by you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. Because God, though he may be silent, is never still. He's never waiting. He's never pausing. He's at work. And as you're faithful through the silence, you will see God do miraculous things on the other side, even of silence. Like our lives, again, feel disheveled, out of sorts. We, we don't know what the future holds. We're just like God's people in the Old Testament. You know what God's saying? Keep listening. Be faithful. Keep planting and harvesting. God can give you increase even in this. He can multiply you. He can do something in your heart even through this. Don't give up. Keep walking because one day you're going to see what God was rebuilding in the rubble of our lives. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that we, we don't just rejoice in the good times. We, we don't just trust you when, when everything's going according to plan, but when the walls have been knocked down and the foundations have been shaken and everything we trusted in has collapsed around us, you are still God. You are still at work. Whether we know what that work is yet or not, you are accomplishing great and eternal things for the kingdom of God. You are increasing us as your followers as we seek you. And so God, help us not to hit pause because you haven't hit pause. Help us not to tap out because you haven't tapped out. But God, raise us up during this season. Raise us, raise us up to follow you boldly so that we would experience what you're trying to accomplish in us. God, if there's somebody that's coming into this Easter season and they don't know Christ personally, let it be today. God, I pray they would turn their heart to you today. And I just want to say, if that's you, as we continue to pray, if that's you right now, invite Christ into your life. Whatever the rubble is, whatever the sin is, just bring that to Him. Confess it to Him. Receive His forgiveness for you. You can become a child of God today through the person of Jesus who lived and died and rose again for you. God, thank you for sending the Prince of Peace. Thank you that Jesus is our peace in times of trouble. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship just a little bit more. I don't want you to leave yet. We're going to sing a, a, just a great song of worship in just a minute. This is the time in our service when we would give our offerings. And if God leads you to do that, 
then we would invite you through our website, welcometojourney.com, or there's a link at the bottom of the YouVersion app that will take you right to the giving link, or you can mail your checks as well. The address is on our website, welcometojourney.com. Thank you so much, people of Journey, for your faithfulness during this season. I just want to say, God has provided for us through you. We're, we're not struggling right now. We're not behind right now. And I just want to encourage you to continue to be faith, faithful and tell you how grateful I am for your faithful charity and generosity during this time. Let's worship together now.